Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. Today, I have three topics I want to talk about. I want to talk about beating people up, whether that's in jiu-jitsu in the gym or Sean Strickland versus Sneak Out. <laughs> but I've also got to talk about the PGF. I want to start by saying that I turned 34 last weekend. I don't think I told you guys that, so I just want to give you guys a life update. I am a year older. I feel the best I've ever felt, so I do not feel like I'm getting old. I still feel pretty young, but I also feel like I'm getting the wisdom or gaining the wisdom of a mature man. And uh, yeah, I feel great, super happy, and I'm hoping for another successful year. And if I could just keep this run of good health going, I will be so, so happy. I don't ask for much in this life but man just having a good clean bill of health and not sustaining any injuries that keep me off the map um that's that's really what matters as well as obviously the family and friends and all that stuff but just let me stay healthy but let's start with the pgf talk because the pgf is coming up it's right around the corner and we have seen at least half the roster be announced so far now, I know there are still a handful of spots open. I know there's a couple of really big-name guys that are kind of on the fence, so I can't really say anything about that until they commit and Brandon releases. But, but there's a couple that really could change the whole landscape of the PGF. Then there's a couple guys, I think some more bottom feeders are needed, some guys that are going to kind of come in, get dunked on, maybe have one or two highlights themselves, but for the most part, they're there to provide highlights for the top tier guys. But for me, looking at this roster, I am most excited for seeing how the returning PGF talent does now that the PGF has been taken to a national scene or taken to the national scene. With the help of Zoltan and his lovely wife, Heather Gracie, Brandon and Keelan are taking the PGF to new heights and really fulfilling their vision for where they, when they started season one, like where they thought the PGF could get to. And if we just look at the past PGF seasons, while we've had, like in the roster, while uh, we've had guys uh, come from like the West Coast and a couple from the North, for the most part, it's been people east of the Mississippi River and south of Kentucky. Most of the guys have been Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, and Alabamians. And while um, there's been some really good talent, I think a lot of people, you know, anytime that most of the talent's regional, you're always going to question like how these guys would do when it comes to facing national level and even world-class competitors. And so I'm super intrigued to see how Kevin Buring, David Evers, and Elijah Carlton fare going against uh, a much more competitive field. Now, there's three guys in particular that have really big accolades. They've all competed at ADCC. They all have super exciting matchups. And two of them, for sure, are probably the favorites going into this season. Now, the first guy, and while I don't see him as a favorite, I could even see him missing the postseason tournament just because I'm not sure his game um, features enough submissions to make it to the postseason he's going to be super exciting he's going to provide drama he's going to provide storylines throughout the week aj agazaram now aj agazaram is an og he competed all the way back 
at Lloyd Irvin's Brown Belt Kumite. That was like 10 plus years ago. This dude's been in the game a long, long time, competing at the highest level. He is an ADCC silver medalist. I'm pretty sure he's a black belt Nogi world champion. Two of uh, the biggest accolades you can have in this sport. And so while a lot of people hate AJ, you at least have to throw some respect on his name because he has achieved a lot. Now, AJ hasn't done much the past couple of years. He's had some really exciting matches, and in particular at this last uh, ADCC trials, I thought he did really well, but he ended up running into PJ Barch, I believe in the quarterfinals, and PJ beat him pretty handedly. But AJ still provides really good matches as well as really good sound bites. And I am super excited to see how he fares against the likes of like Kevin Buring. I want to see that matchup. Kevin Buring versus AJ Agazaram, day one, let's make it happen. Now, obviously, I'm not in charge of any of that, but man, AJ, particularly his will to not tap. There have been so many matches I have seen AJ, whether it was Gary Tonin or um, Wagner Rocha, where he's been put into crazy submissions, and he just does not tap. And so I would love to see the breaking mechanics of Kevin Buring, who's been on fire. He was on fire when he was a blue belt in his first uh chance at uh, pgf glory he didn't quite make it he ended up losing to david evers in the tournament but since then he has been on fire and i would love to see him versus aj and is aj you know if kevin gets him there is he just not going to tap are we, are we going to see aj get broken the first day or is that wily veteran a guy that has faced the best of the best has faced gary tonin multiple times and not tapped to his legs locks is he going to be able to maneuver his way around him and find a submission now the two favorites and the two guys that i'm most intrigued to see are hanato canuto now hanato canuto is one of the most exciting grapplers in the world if you just started jiu-jitsu in the past couple of years you may have never heard of him because he hasn't been very active due to his contract with one championship and so he's competed for one, I think once or twice. I know he had a match against Tommy Langecker for that promotion. But he's really just done ADCC the past few years. He beat Nicky Ryan uh, at this most recent ADCC. It was a really, really fun match. In the ADCC prior to this one, he and Gary Tonin put on the most exciting match of the tournament. If you've never seen that match, you should definitely go back and watch it. It is absolutely incredible. But Anato Canuto provides fireworks. And the fact that we get to see him for the, in the PGF where he is going to have to compete 12 times like is every grappling fan's like dream come true. He is so exciting and dynamic and his style is perfect for the PGF. And I'm really intrigued to see especially like how Anato Canuto matches up with like Elijah Carlton. Is Elijah going to be able to get a hold of Hanato Canuto, or is Hanato Canuto going to be able to dance his way around Elijah's guard and find his way to a submission? But the guy that I'm most excited to see, and the guy who I think is pretty clearly the favorite for this upcoming season, is Andy Varela. Andy Varela has been facing everyone the past few years. Like He has fought a who's who of guys. He has some really impressive victories. Competed at this uh, last ADCC, and he, in my mind, is exactly 
who the PGF is looking for. He is a dog. 12 matches like is perfect for him. The pace that he puts and the athleticism that he possesses, he is going to be able to finish any one of these guys. He's going to be able to push the pace the entire six minutes. And I think he's got to be the favorite if nobody else jumps in for this upcoming season of the PGF. But, man, there's three ADCC veterans right there. I'm pretty sure John Combs is going to be in it. I'm not sure if that's been announced yet or not. I apologize if it hasn't. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure John Combs is in. That's another ADCC vet. John Combs could do very, very well. I'm excited to see this national-level talent. But like I said, to me, the most exciting part is seeing the old PGF guys go against these. Like having the opportunity to you know, showcase, like, hey, we're super good too. You know, David Evers, a guy that really nobody outside of, you know, if you watched the PGF season, uh, 155 pounds, and he ended up winning. If you, or excuse me, it was 170 pounds, so... 170 pound season that he ended up winning if you uh if you didn't watch that you probably never heard of david david evers but david evers is a gnarly submission artist he has a very unique build and i'm excited to see excited to see if he can give any of these guys a run for their money and possibly have some huge upsets same goes for kevin buring and can the face of the pgf elijah carlton keep that title or are we going to see a season in which none of the old guys finish even in the top eight? And to me, that would be a big storyline because it would really showcase like how big a step up the PGF took. Like, okay, yeah, the regional talent guys, you know, they'll always have a spot. Like, there could always be a couple spots for for some of the old talent. But hey, times have changed. These new guys, the national level guys, like they're the best for a reason, and. If you if you're wanting to make a name for yourself in the PGF, like it's gonna take a lot of hard work to uh, a lot of hard work and, and a lot of hours in the gym to finish in the top eight and just earn a spot into the postseason tournament. And that's not even talking about winning the whole thing. Now, when is it okay to beat somebody up? Now, we have two cases that I want to talk about. We're going to start with Sean Strickland versus Sneeko. Now, I had never heard of Sneeko until Sean Strickland beat this dude up. Supposedly, he's a really big YouTuber. It was funny because there was a handful of the younger guys at our gym. They were like, did you see Sean Strickland beat up Sneeko? Like, I can't stand that Sneeko guy. I don't know what he's famous for other than he's an influencer. But Sean Strickland beat him up. And from my understanding, Sneeko is trying to get into the influencer boxing game. And I get it. If I had a million or so followers, or I'm not sure how many Sneeko has, but if I had that and I'd seen the success that some of these other influencers had, it seems like it's about time that I put on the boxing gloves and start learning how to fight. Because some of these guys are getting million-plus-dollar purses. And if you can get a couple of wins and entice the people and entice the promoters especially misfit boxing to give you a shot against a guy like ksi or logan or jake paul i mean you're talking about the possibility of making millions of millions of dollars that's just the state of the sport right now so sneeko decides to get in and for whatever reason he decides his first venture into like the boxing world and the sparring is going to be against Sean Strickland. And I would never 
in a million years recommend anybody, especially somebody that has less than a couple years of experience, and particularly if they have never fought before, like an actual contest, I would never recommend they go and find Sean Strickland to spar. So whoever set that up, or maybe that was him that set it up just because Sean's got a huge name right now, they screwed up. Now, Sean Strickland had an insane 24 hours, maybe the most epic 24 hours that I've ever heard of, at least when it comes to just creating news and storylines. Sean Strickland in 24 hours. So obviously he beat up that Sneeko guy, but he met with Donald Trump, faced off against Donald, so met with the, the former president of the United States, got into it with Machine Gun Kelly, who is dating or is he married to Megan Fox? I'm not sure, but anyways, called him a vampire and said he looked like an idiot and asked Megan Fox if she was okay because it seemed like she was in trouble if she was with a guy like him. And Jake Paul challenges him to a $1 million spar. He says, no, look, meet me out in the middle of the desert. No cameras, no nothing. Only one man walks out. Like, Jake, you know I can't spar you. So let's just settle this like men and take it out to the desert. And I cannot imagine being the CEO or being Dana White, the CEO of the OC or Dana White, who's essentially in control of the OC and having to deal with Sean Strickland's rise to fame because this guy is a loose cannon. So Sean's going through all this. Now, I'll also say that Sean Strickland um, sparred Travis. So Travis has been out to Vegas a few different times. He has sparred with Sean. And the first time that he met Sean, Travis goes into Extreme Couture, gets there a little bit early. He's putting on his gear. Sean Strickland comes up to him, immediately starts chatting him up. He sees a 6'4", tatted up guy. He wants to know, what's the experience like? How long have you been training? What are you here for? Are you here to spar? Okay. Getting the details, right? Travis spars with all the pros, and first round Travis does. Sean's on the sideline. He's telling Travis's training partner to knock him out. He's like, hey, knock this dude out. He doesn't train with us. He's a visitor. These are the guys that we beat up. These are the guys that we get experience headhunting on. Knock this dude out. Second round, same exact thing. Then Sean starts sparring, and Travis ends up going with Sean. His last round, I think it was like sixth or seventh spar, and Sean tried to put it on him. But Travis is incredibly talented. He's super, super good. At that point, he had had uh, you know, half a dozen fights. And so he was ready for it. Sean did beat him up a little bit. But <laughs> it was nothing like Sneeko, you know. And so I say all that to say that that was Sean's experience with just somebody that, you know, obviously my main suit, like one of the guys that I mainly work with, Travis. And that was his experience. I can only imagine now an influencer who Sean Strickland pretty openly hates, has said some crazy things about those types of people, coming in and bringing in a camera and going, hey, let's film our sparring round. And this, to me, is where I really think that this Sneeko guy kind of deserved his ass whooping. Because this is how I feel about it. Look, guys, somebody wants to film your rolling with them right? They want to film their training with you. There's only two things that are going to happen. One, they're going to take that training footage and they're just going to study it, right? They're going to use it to study. We have a bunch of people at our gym that 
uh, film their training. They go home and they study it. It's something Brandon has done forever. And so a lot of our students have picked it up and they, uh, and they do that. But the other option is they film it. They get some highlights and they're going to post it. And now some guys will post their training partners and, you know, after they hit some crazy flying triangle or some crazy foot sweep or whatever, right? And no big deal. They're not like trying to dunk on them. It's like, hey, this is my training. Boom, look what happened. Now we're talking about somebody coming in trying to film that's an influencer. That has purely gotten famous from talking. And for the most part, from what I see from influencers, it's just they don't provide a lot of substance. They, they post a lot. They try to make controversial headlines or they try to stay consistent by staying in the news and so a guy like Sneeko if he was coming in to challenge me to a jiu-jitsu match he goes hey I'm Sneeko I'm a big personality um, influencer guy and I'm wanting to get into MMA and so I want to train jiu-jitsu with you do you mind if I film us training together and if he came in and just wanted to spar so it'd be a little bit different if he took like an hour private lesson from me and then wanted to spar a little bit. I would kind of read how like he was trying to spar, but I would in no way in hell let this dude do anything to me. Because this dude that has multiple million followers, if I even just make it look like it's competitive, I don't know how he's going to take that footage and how he's going to spin it and make me look. And so while I wouldn't try to kill the guy or hurt the guy... I would for sure try to tap him out four or five, six times. I would really try to showcase how much better I was than him. And I definitely wouldn't give him a highlight for free. Unless it was just painfully obvious that, you know, like, this guy's terrible. I've tapped him out eight times. But at the same time, you know, you've seen guys, like, if I let him, like, if we had worked on a couple of techniques prior to that and I let him, like, bridge and roll me. What if he filmed it and just kind of showcased the lesson and just showcased him and the only thing he showed as far was him bridge and rolling me and maybe some cut clips of like him on the top position as I'm playing guard trying to do some stuff. And he's like, look, I stayed on top. Like I just, you can't trust those types of people. And now I'm somebody super famous. I've risen to the top of the UFC. I was the middleweight champion of the world. You're coming in to spar me. Like if I even looks competitive, well, how are you going to spend that? What are you going to say about me? What are all the fans and all that stuff? And I know people right now will be going, but Scaff, that's your ego talking. But at the same time, I feel like fighters and martial arts, you have to have an ego. You have to. That's to me, especially like the martial side of things, is you have to have a little bit of pride in your skills and your art. And you can't just turn the other cheek and lay down. Like, no, you have to have the martial side. And to me, that's one of those cases. Like, this guy's coming into film. It's somewhat of a challenge. And the fact this guy kind of has the audacity to try and spar me, whether it's Sean, you know, like, hey, we're just going to box. Let's just, I want to box you, Sean Strickland. It's, it's a challenge. He wants to see where he's at. He wants to see where he's at against the middleweight or former middleweight champion of the world. And if he does anything good, he's going to be leaving there going, man, I bloodied Sean Strickland's nose. Even if he just got one punch off and bloodied Sean Strickland's nose, he would post that. And so, to me, Sean Strickland had every right to beat that kid's ass. Now, from what Sean said, he was like, look, 
if the guy would have fallen or the guy would have dropped or I knocked him out, I wasn't going to chase him up. Like we were just going to either he tapped out or he fell down. And that's the same thing I would do. If an influencer came at me or like tried to film us like, hey, let's have a roll. I would not go. I would not try to break his arm or not try to break his leg, but I would 100% try to choke him a million times. And the moment he tapped, I would let go and we'd restart again. And so if I was in Sean's shoes, I would do something very, very similar. And if this guy wasn't trying to tap, I mean, here's my thing. Like if I'm going with like a new guy or somebody that's like really inexperienced and they're not tapping or they're trying to play super aggressive, I just go for chokes. And worst case scenario, I end up across the face and that's just going to be a bloody lip. You know, it's not like a knee, like you're going to destroy somebody's knee in a heel hook. Like I wouldn't put Sneeko in a heel hook and just trying to rip his leg off. I would hope that my skills would allow me to bring the battle to wherever he wanted and I would try and like suffocate him from the mount position or take his back and tie him up and choke him from there, right? But I wouldn't try to really hurt the guy. Obviously in boxing, like you you kind of have to and that's one of the really tough aspects of like really starting off in boxing, especially if you're going with somebody as experienced as Sean Strickland. It's like, Hey, the only way I can get you to quit is to hit you. And if we're going hard, like I'm going to hit you really hard. And now you're talking about Sean Strickland, who's over 200 pounds, probably has 30, 40, 50 pounds on the Sneaker guy. At least it seems like Sneaker was pretty small. It's probably about 170, if I had to guess. Not a good mixture. Now, Joe Rogan had some pretty, pretty big... Um, criticisms of, of what Sean did. And I just think Joe is completely off. Joe hasn't trained in a very, very long time. It's been very clear for years now that Joe is out of touch with modern martial arts. And I know that's kind of controversial to say because Joe is the main announcer for the UFC. He's like the mo- well, most recognized announcer for the UFC. He has done so much for the sport. He has done so much for the sport of jiu-jitsu, MMA, all of that, right? And so I want to thank Joe for that. But at the same time, Joe stopped training a long time ago. He stopped getting better. And so I think Joe's kind of lost that martial aspect of himself. Like, right? Like he's like, hey, Joe was like, if you're that much better than somebody, you just play with them and you let them. But I'm like, no. That's not what was going on there. Sneeko was there to film, and Sneeko was there to get something out of it. Now, he happened to just get his butt kicked, but in his eyes, that's a win too because everybody's been talking about it, and that's the big issue with social media, these social media personalities. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad news for some of these guys. They'll take, like, Sneeko, if he would have went in there and beat up Sean, it would have went super viral. But the fact that Sean beat him up, it went super viral. And he and his team are ecstatic for that. And in my opinion, he deserved it. And hopefully it humbles him a little bit. But in my opinion, these guys, they live for views. They live for clicks. And he's seen how well that's done. So you've already seen it now. I saw uh, yesterday him working with Marab. Like Marab was just toying with him and slapping him around. It seems like he's going to now go, he's now going to go on like an MMA tour where he just gets beat up by different guys so he can get clickbait. So I have no issue with Sean doing that. Or if one of you guys like, Hey, um, you know, one of you guys who's a blue or purple belt beat the crap out of sneak, tapped him out 15 times or maybe you even fight amateur MMA and you, you know, beat him up a little bit and choked him out. 
I would think you were 100% in the right as long as you quit when they want to quit. They tap out, verbally tap out, or obviously like you drop them. That's the end of it. Now we're going to switch just a little bit. because I just want to talk about getting beat up in the gym, but this is completely different circumstances. Now we're going to talk about when you're experienced, you're really good. You're one of the best guys at the gym, but there's levels to the game and someone is so much better than you still at your gym that they can still absolutely annihilate you. And I want to talk about this because I saw the biggest ass whipping that I have ever seen on YouTube. Flow Grappling posted a video of Nicholas Marigali training at New Wave. And now he was training with a guy who goes by the name of Abraham La, I think his last name is like La Montaigne, something like that. But anyways, he's really good. He's got a competition win over Wagner Rocha and a very close match at an ADCC Open. Um, I know when Travis did the Midwest finishers, um, Adam ended up making it to the finals. Uh, so Travis won his first match, ended up losing his second match by ride time. And the guy that beat Travis ended up losing to this dude. And then in the finals, Andre Porfio out of Fight Sports ended up beating um, this New Wave representative. But anyways, New Wave training footage. Nicholas Marigali is the man now. Seems like John Donner here has switched his focus and just kind of understood like, hey, we might be ending uh, the Gordon Ryan. Like is, is that chapter may be over. So now Nicholas Marigali is my prize pupil. And so... A lot of the talk at a New Wave camp has been all about Nicholas Marigali and somewhat uh, Giancarlo Bodani. But Marigali has been on fire. His last couple performances have been absolutely incredible. He has showcased how much he's improved since ADCC. And he may possibly be the best guy in the world right now. He's probably the best guy in the Gi. He may be the best guy in no Gi. He will be facing Mateus Denise at the upcoming Fight Pass Invitational that is taking place this week. So I'm super excited to see that um, and just see like how Marigali looks. So I think he's going to absolutely destroy Denise. But anyways, back to this training story. So you guys can go watch this. If you ever feel bad about how you did at training, go and watch this 10-minute roll. This is, again, the worst beating I've ever seen anyone take on camera. And all 10 minutes over there, it's not cut, it's not, it's all 10 minutes is just an absolute destruction. It looked like Nicholas Marigali was trying to beat up poor, this poor dude. And now here's the thing, this guy, I think he might even be ranked in the top 20 in the world, but he's like really good. He's an up and coming guy, again, he's got a win over Wagner Rocha, like the dude's super good. And Nicholas makes this dude look like he has never trained before. Maybe not never trained, but he makes him look like he's like a blue belt. You would never guess from watching this footage that that guy had beaten Wagner Rocha. Never in a million years. And the way that Nicholas does it, he just completely embarrasses him. He keeps hitting the same move. And it's like a, I don't want to say it's a gimmicky move. Like it's a real move. It's the move Gordon used to tap uh, Jacob Couch in their, in their uh, super fight for, for WNO. But he ends up, or he multiple times gets uh, Adams 
um, Mr. Lamontagne, Montagna. I could probably just spend the rest of this podcast trying to pronounce his last name. But anyways, he ends up getting that dude. Both arms above his head in the mount position. And he goes to that chest compression where he goes to the S mount and he just finishes him with the chest compression. It's about as humiliating as a sub as you could get put in. And he does it over and over and over again. And you just see Donna here in the background. And he I don't even think he ever says anything to that group. Like he's even though Marigal is sparring right in front of him. And it kind of seems like whoever like the star pupil is spars right in front of Donna here. So it used to be Gordon. Now it seems like Marigali has taken that position. I would love to see just like a psychological breakdown of that room because you got to imagine the pecking order or like people trying to get noticed by Donna here, trying to get Donna here's attention. We could make a six part HBO documentary on the new wave team, just on all of that. Just some of these, some of the Donner here, like back and forth with his students, I'm sure would be hilarious. Just how some of the guys are so like in awe or scared of him or again trying to suck up to him. And I'm sure some guys get zero attention. And then even just this dynamic where like Gordon's kind of out and Marigali's taking his place. And like, does the rest of the room shift? Like people kind of like just move one place counterclockwise or if you do poorly at a tournament does he like put you to like a certain part of the room I don't know I just would be fascinated but anyways yeah Donner's sitting there and he's just he'll like look and he'll say something like another group from time to time but he just watches this and the whole time I can only I'm just trying to guess what Donner's thinking like Donner's gotta be thinking like I don't know. I just know how cutthroat or just some of the stories I've heard of Donner here and how cutthroat he can be. In my opinion, I'm like, man, if I was that dude, I'd be like, man, Donner here is never, ever going to promote. I'm going to be a junior. I might even be below a junior right now, but I am never going to make it past junior. And like I said, this dude's a beast. He's an absolute monster, but that's how good Marigali is. And it was such like a bad beating. It got kind of uncomfortable. Like if, especially if uh, you like knew both these guys or you were part of the room, like you'd be like, man, like that was like, dude, did, did that dude hit on Marigali's girlfriend or does he like owe Marigali money? Like it was that bad. And you could see Marigali was enjoying it. Like he loved it. The camera was on him and he was trying to humiliate this guy. And what's crazy is, is like all the footage I've ever seen of Gordon training, he, he's never done that. I have never seen Gordon try to humiliate his training partner. I've never seen Gordon like try to beat up one of the guys he's going with. Gordon does a phenomenal job. Like he'll, she showcases how much better he is than his training partner, but at the same time, he lets them work. He makes them look good. And I've seen a bunch of Gordon footage where he makes his training partner look better maybe than they even are. And to me, that's a whole other skill, and that like really showcases how good somebody is. But Marigali, there was none of this with Marigali. Marigali was like, no, nah, the camera's on me. I'm the main dude now. I'm going to obliterate this guy for the world to see. And I got to ask, you know, and I think this is something like, how, how would you feel... If you were Marigali, like, like, would you ever do that to somebody? Now, in the past, when I was competing a lot, I would try to do this to my training partner. So it kind of reminded me what I used to try to do to guys. Like, I was a brown belt competing, or when I was a black, and the only tournament I did at black belt, but 
that year leading up to that tournament at Black Belt, like I was training like I was going to compete at ADCC again or do an ADCC trials or, or try to make a run at something. And I remember I would just roll with people as hard as I possibly can. And you'll hear other stories, you know, people like talk about, especially that really competitive gyms and their guys are getting ready for tournaments. I'm like, man, I rolled with this guy and he tapped me out 15 times or he didn't give me anything. He literally just kept, he passed my guard 25 times and just slapped and bumped and didn't even say anything to me and just moved on to the next guy. But I used to train like this. I say that to say it's one of the reasons I love that I don't compete anymore because I basically never train like this. Occasionally, if uh, you know somebody's like getting ready for a competition or um, maybe if somebody's visiting the gym and I can feel they're kind of wanting to go hard and test themselves, I'll kind of go competition mode a little bit. But for the most part, especially if like you're visiting and um, you know you're 40 years old or you know you just I can I can feel people's energies and for the most part people aren't trying to to train like that and they're definitely not trying to get done like that. And most people you know, they don't deserve to get done like that. Obviously, this was competition, and both guys, you know, Marigali as well as um, uh, the other guy, he's, uh, you know, beast competitor. He competes all the time and is very, very good. And so, different types of training. But I really just wanted to bring this role to your attention because I'm telling you, if you've ever thought you had a bad day or you ever thought, like, man, I got my butt kicked, just go and watch that. And realize that, like, this guy, he's sacrificing and trying to build his whole life around jujitsu and still there's such uh like higher level um and, and at times like the levels can be so frustrating and just so daunting because you'll be killing it but there'll be some dude and in this case it's nicholas marigali who's so much better than you that he can hit the same move on you over and over and over again and oh it also happens to be being filmed by our uh Currently, our ESPN <laughs> flow grappling. I mean, I can't imagine. Like, if I was a competitor and I had got done like that, and the ESPN of our sport posted that to their YouTube channel, I would just be mortified. And again, people can say, well, that's just your ego and that. No, no, no. As a competitor, I cannot imagine that happening to me like I'd be like oh my god like should I quit or like I I would I would make it my life mission to beat Nicholas Marigali and unfortunately that po- that's probably never going to happen or be in the cards for pretty much 99.9999% of us that train <laughs> so until next time guys I love and appreciate you peace